This episode is sponsored by Zola. To create your free wedding website on Zola, go to zola.com slash brain candy. And this episode is brought to you by care.com. To save 30% off a care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash brain candy when you subscribe. Welcome, welcome. What did we do this? Hey, did you steal my pen? No, this is mine. Oh, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. Oh, I was really uh, certain that there was a burglar. <laughs> and that would be me. I'm usually a pen thief, but now I'm very picky about the pens that I use. So, oh, Well, yeah. welcome everyone to yeah. 240. We both have pens <laughs> and we're ready for the show. First order of business, how's your ganglion spider bite? Oh my God, Suze. This was such an adventure. (laughs) I Only you would call it that. Okay. Uh, And then I feel like only something like this would happen to me. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. Like it's, I don't go to the doctor for regular things. I don't, I don't get colds. Mm -hmm. I go, I get weird, bizarre bumps. And I just thought it was so funny because on my way here, I was listening to that episode where we talked about growths on the body (laughs) and how like people who have tumors and things that they don't notice. Oh, I noticed. (laughs) I kicked my feet up while we we went on this little Duffy boat ride with my family while they were here. I kicked my feet up and I like rest them on the seat. And I go, man, isn't the ankle bone a funny looking thing? <laughs> and then I went, wait a sec. It really happened like that where I went, wait a sec. And then my, my uh, mother-in-law, she like, well, she's not really my mother-in-law. My father-in-law's new wife. What would that be? My stepmother-in-law? Yeah. Okay. She uh, was like, okay. I'm. I know a lot of things, and I know I don't know a lot of things, but I know that that's not normal. <laughs> so then the entire I went through every single possible. It was a weekend of googling things that I very much regret googling. Yeah, big MRSA, Mer- <laughs> common MRSA. spider bites, and their infections in Southern California. I learned that we should all really be freaked out about the hobo spider. <laughs> don't worry, it's not that. <laughs> So False the reason why it threw everybody off. So I go to the, I end up going to the urgent care because I yeah. freak out and I'm like, it's MRSA. It's definitely MRSA. This is a whole, my whole body's infected and my toe is tingly. Mm. So I'm like, okay, that's probably obviously spider poison. Yeah. That's the venom. <laughs> spider poison. I'll be the venom. I feel fine though, uh-huh. but there's a bump and I'm like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. So I go to urgent care. Urgent care doctor is like, beats me. Yeah. <laughs> That's your guess is as good as mine. You know, yeah. that Jerry Seinfeld bit where, like, in commercials, you see the guy with the silhouette, and there's just a tube running from his neck down into the circle. <laughs> and, like, the bad doctors, you think they just think that's the whole body. I don't know what that is, because that's not the tube or the circle. <laughs> that's exactly what this guy was. He's like, well, we'll just give you a shot in your butt and a shot of uh, 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 antibiotics. We'll give you a strong antibiotic in your bum. And why, so, would, why, why did it have to be in the bum, though? I think they just needed a large muscular area. And, and they took like, one look no. at my backside and <laughs> were like, we know where we put in this. <laughs> okay. So the thing that threw the doctor off, though, yeah. that I later found. Okay, okay, okay. So then, flash forward, it's not now it's been 24 hours and this thing has not gone down a little bit. Right. Not even a bit. So I call my brother who's a firefighter and I was like, they do emergency stuff. So it's a spider bite. He's going to know like what to do if it's like something I should be. I don't fucking know. So he's like, <laughs> just take two Benadryl and see what 
That does. Copy now, this is the, the same day that I have to go see all my clients. Oh, so I took Lord. two doses of Benadryl and then waited. Are you crazy? I, I had a five hour in between, but I don't even think five hours is enough because. Were you looping it? I, I can't say I was looping it, but I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> I mean, I was like trying to focus. I was trying to stay awake. Yes. It was, I was so exhausted. So then nothing ever happens. It goes. Sure. And I'm like, okay, I'll call my dermatologist. Because I'm like, I don't know, it looks like a skin thing. You have a lot of doctors. I don't. On, I, on have, I have one urgent care that I had to look for and a dermatologist. <laughs> All right. And your you brother. Know, <laughs> and my brother. Okay. And so I called the dermatologist and I'm like, do, okay. Well, before this, I should say my mom has now diagnosed me. My mom. No, wait. Wait. Yes. Wait. Before you say. Yes. So anytime anything happens to Sarah, whether I like it or not, I'm involved. Because people start texting me, they start calling me, sending me DMs, <laughs> like as if I, right. I'm some sort of like bridge to you, <laughs> yes. right? So I get this message in response to the picture I posted on Insta story of me in that blue bathing suit, okay? <laughs> okay. And it's from your mother. Oh, God. And... Under that picture, the comment is, it's not a spider bite. (laughs) That's the whole thing. And then I wrote back, well, what is it? It's a ganglion cyst. Smash it with a book. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, those things are beast. Uh, She's had a bad streak lately with this stuff. And then she wrote, body in protest, dot, 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 two. What? Is she also telling Sarah or is this just between she and I was like, what's my body protesting? I mean, it went on and on. I can read the rest privately, but like, she thinks it's like some big thing, like the universe, like your body's saying no, no to something. What does it not want? You have to translate it because I don't understand. I never know. But I love the idea that her, she's like Dr. Bombay. Like she's like <laughs> smash it with a book. Right? Exactly. But. Which apparently is the old timey <laughs> suggestion for how you cure this. So I go to the dermatologist. But first I call the dermatologist and uh-huh. I'm like, uh-huh. here's what I have. Yeah. It's a ganglion. Now, you know me. I have now done all of my research. And you know what you are? Smarter than your doctor now. To- totally. I did every... I mean, I read... Like, I PubMed searched that shit. You know, we're talking <laughs> real medical journals, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I learned what aspirating assist was, which I didn't need to know before. And I also now know that they need people to really translate those in, when they write them in, like, common, you know, language. Yeah. Because, boy, oh, boy, are those hard to read. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I call the doctor. I'm like, do you take care of this? The girl on the phone's like, yes, yes, we absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. I get to the dermatologist. Yeah. They take one look at it and he goes, I don't do this. You need an orthopedic surgeon. Come on. And I was like, oh my God. So in five minutes I walk out of there and they go, that'll be a $60 copay. And did you tell them what to do with it? So I get in the car and I'm driving around the car and I'm just feeling like, God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what? This does not sit right with me. I need to. Stop being polite. Amen, sister. Yes. I did it. And I called him back and I was like, you know, I am so sorry, but like, 
I, you know, do you remember I called yesterday and I made a point to have the person who answered the phone ask the doctor, is this something that you are able to take care of? I have very limited free time in my schedule where I can go and sit at these appointments. And I came in with and the only time. who's t- made of money anyway? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, just supposed to be okay with, you gave me no referrals, no nothing. You said, hey, you just need to call this guy. Mm-mm. Fuck that. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. <laughs> I feel like Linda runs that doctor's office. She do- oh, she does. She was totally that one. Yes. And uh, they gave you your money back? Yes. Good. So they credited me and they gave me my money back. And you know what? She was fine with it. She was like, you know what? That was. I believe that was a new girl who answered. In fact, I remember when the girl who answered came and asked me, do we take care of that? And I told her to say... The doctor would have to look at it. We can't make any diagnosis Thank over the you. phone, da, da, da. But she didn't translate that okay, in the right good. way. So she recognized that. it was bad. I got my money back. And then I went to a foot and ankle gal. Oh, we all saw. Yes, you did. I mean, that was a bold choice. I thought, wow, this is what she chooses to do with her social media. <laughs> oh, well, I had to because I'm like, they've been on board for this whole ride. They have to see the conclusion, which was not a conclusion. We now know is it to be continued. It's back. It came back. It's back and bigger oh than Oh, my ever. God. Suze, I feel like it, we're going to have a spinoff show, me and this kid, this guy, which Landon and I have named Milton. I've already, like, written the jingle to the theme song in my head. So you and the ganglion. Me and the gang Milton. Milton. Yeah. Will be, like, yeah. maybe you'll be, like, a crime-fighting duo. I got a friend that you might want to know. He lives above my right big toe. <laughs> he went away, Stop but then it. he came back the next day. His name is Milton. He's my ganglion cyst. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's our theme song. No. Yes. You are a musical genius. Well... I mean, it came to me in the middle of the night, and I just started giggling, and I was like, I'll be sharing this one with Susie. <laughs> His name is Milton. He's my ganglion sis. I like that big finish. Yeah, yeah. That was like, like I'm going like Golden Girl style singing in the background. Like, it needs which to be there like. should be more of. Uh, agreed. <laughs> Let us start with. And then, like, the, the open with like the music, and it's just like the uh, picture of the outside of our house. Are you and guys then it goes like best in. friends, though? Or? I feel like it's like the odd couple. Yeah. You yeah. know, and like, I really want him out of here, but he's like, here to stay, sister. <laughs> you want him out of here. You're stuck with him. Yeah. Okay. Really but- making high heels. Oh my God. And I only have like three pairs of pants that are appropriate to cover it. It looks oh. like a growth. Co- I mean, I can't sit in a therapy office while I'm giving therapy to somebody when I got Milton growing on my freaking foot. <laughs> he's the loudest one in the room. Yeah, he's a real distraction. So, can't happen. So, I got to wear these, like, big flowy pants, and I only have, like, three pairs of those. So, now I'm, like, wearing the same three outfits every day. Well, you definitely can't wear your Rothy's because they would, you know, bring attention to the foot. And I'm really upset about this because those are my go-to work shoe. Hello. Yes. Rothy's are so comfortable. Have you guys got yours yet? Yes. I feel like... Have they? Yes. They keep sending pictures. It's these Rothy's shoes are so comfortable, but in fact, somebody asked on our Instagram, they were like, come on, what's the deal? Are they worth it? I'm like, are you kidding me? They're comfortable. They're chic and you can clean them in your washer. And I really feel good that they're made out of plastic bottles. Yeah. They're, it's a really great choice because they're made out of recycled plastic. (gasps) And so they're good for the environment, but you can wash them. So if they get funky, you, they're good as new as mm-hmm. soon as you wash them. Mm-hmm. They have three styles. They have the flat, the point, and the loafer, but then they have like a million designs oh, and so colors. so many. And cool patterns. There's a snake print one. 
oh my gosh, that's in the cute green loaf. It's like a green color and it's kind of like a, that's oh, adorable. it looks so cool. It's really cool. Ah, uh, we love our Rothies and they're really comfortable, especially if you go to work and you don't want to wear heels, but you want to look fancy and beautiful. Um, or just when you're walking around town. I love my Rothy's. I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for our listeners. Go to rothys.com slash brain candy and you get free shipping, no minimum. Free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoes. You won't want to return them though. No. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash brain candy to get your cute shoes and free shipping. No brainer, shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable and free shipping. Get your pair uh, today, rothys.com slash brain candy. Get this deal while it lasts. And Sarah, you can't have mango. Oh my God. Do you see me go for it? I was like, I forgot what we were doing right here. I went like, Susie made this delicious bowl of mango with the, the chili lime on it and salt. And it's so tasty. So and then I went to go reach for it. Like, you know, we're just hanging out, chit chatting at Do brunch it. over here. Yeah. It's just so good. They're not, you know, people I won't mean, even hear it. Mm, um, mango's a soft food. It's not it's very just, crunchy. I'm just glad you're okay and that, you know. Oh, I'm fine. I'm ready I'm for the next hear, adventure. Though, that the, you might have to have surge. Yeah, that's the only way to uh, to get rid of this. So I'm having a freaking MRI done on my oh foot boy. on Monday. What? Like, do they have to ask you if you're pregnant? Like, what if you're they pregnant? They did. And you said no. Well, no, you know what? They, they did when I got my antibiotic shot. And the only thing is... It's way too early to really tell. Yeah. I'm still about when you're a trying, week before my missed period. Right. So they still did a pregnancy test on me, which they okay. were like, oh, it's negative. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, probably. And also <sighs> maybe, you know, That's so it's like worst. a double, you know. That's another thing people don't talk about a lot with um, fertility and when you're really trying and ha- having to go through like tracking your ovulation and mm-hmm. all that stuff is how... You know, a lot of stuff you're not supposed to do when right, you're pregnant. Right, a lot. And can also affect like conception mm-hmm. and in those early few days where like, mm-hmm. and it. I really feel, yeah. You yeah. constantly have and to I think mean, about it. For real. Yeah. Yeah. And I was feeling kind of preggers too. So I was like, oh, I Well, think, maybe you are still. Yeah, it's not I'm like that. keep my fingers crossed. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. It's not a death sentence. Right. It's good. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Whatever. But you do think about how many things you're like, oh my God, can I not? I was going to say it's a pain in the ass, but that is so hilarious because it literally was a pain in the ass when you got a shot in your butt. It was. And that hurts. You think it wouldn't, but it does. It hurts way bad. And don't people have to do shots in their thighs for a lot of the fertility Mm -hmm. stuff too? Mm -hmm. I bet that hurts. Mm -hmm. There's something. Okay. Here's a question for you. Yeah. What's more disgusting? Something going in or something coming out via needle? I gotta say, coming out. I I did both in the last forty eight hours, and I'm. It's like I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Yeah, but seeing something come out really makes you feel like this one kind of did give you. Like she and I both were like, "Oh, that was satisfying." Yeah, your noises on the Insta story were like, "Oh yeah," because hers were like that. (laughs) She was like, "Oh wow, yeah." Well, I'm glad you're okay. Mm I'm Good glad I you. found a lady doctor. Yeah. Because my original dermatologist, who was a man, gave like pulled up a picture of like, hey, you can go to one of these. And it was like a, a, a that game of guess who with only white men. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh. And I even said that. The woman who was the RN was a, a woman of color. And I was like, wow, a bunch of white guys. Mm. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, great. Which right. one should I pick? And so then found this woman. And, Thank heavens. Yes. And I was like, yes, lady. Um, this is changing the subject. However, it does include issues about white people. Mm -hmm. I read the best article in the New Yorker about how the last 
Wizard of Oz Munchkin died. Oh. 98 years old. Whoa. La- I know. And for little people, that's a really that's long... That's a long life. Yeah. That's a long life for any size person. True. true. But so they, they die earlier usually. Yeah. It was such a great article. I'll put it in the newsletter. Some of the things that were interesting were... First of all, at the time that film was made, being a little person, of course, mm-hmm. was even more stigmatized mm-hmm. than it is now. And like parents would try desperately to undo it. So they'd put them on stretching machines. Oh, God. Yeah. And they would oh, like, you that, know what I mean? Oh, I just couldn't imagine that. I've even heard of that, the leg stretching where they get the surgeries to, <gasps> no. Yeah, they would overfeed them. They would do all this stuff. And so a lot of the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz had endured mm. really difficult yeah. family lives and personal lives. And so when they were cast in the film, and you know how it was, they were always cast as like friggin' mm-hmm. munchkins, mm-hmm. not real people. Yeah. But they were so happy to be around other people. Many of them had never even seen another little person in their whole oh, life. Yeah. And they arrived on set and some of them just started weeping and they just felt such joy. I to, love that. And they would think like, wonder if they like the same food. Like they wondered, yeah. am I similar to them in other ways by just than what I look like. This is like, this can so be cool. applied to so many different people who feel marginalized. Right. I mean, that is the feeling. That's why representation matters. Yes. Because when you're the other. Yes. Which I'm never the other. Right. So and so I same. can only try to empathize and understand. And that's why articles like this are so cool mm. because we all freaking love the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Here's a little bit of information about it that you maybe never thought of. Yeah. Um, another thing that was really cool was the, oh, the weird thing though was like Judy Garland in an interview said that they were a bunch of drunks and that they were like having orgies at the hotel. Well, what I could imagine is if you are the kind of person who's felt like they were always the other and they, I don't think that alcohol is a, um, it's not an unusual coping mechanism Hell of no, choice. I'd be drinking too. Uh huh. So I think that you probably I just see drinking. a high, <laughs> a high, right, a higher rate of that mm-hmm. with, you know, people who, yeah, like would, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that you that yeah. can be easily explained because the, of how society freaking treats them. And I then, would totally drink well, too. Well, they talked about how after like the main people from the Wizard of Oz died, Judy died at a very early age. Yeah. Um, Bert uh, Ward, who played the Cowardly Lion, mm-hmm. and other people, Margaret Hamilton. Um, then people still wanted to talk to people from the Wizard of Oz. So then they started oh, getting interviews. Gross. And they would always be asked, like, hey, Judy said you were a bunch of drunks having orgies. And they would always have to be like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were just happy to be together. Yeah. And there were, like, a couple bad seeds. And but- you know what? Pro- they probably didn't invite Judy, who had a stick up her bum, over to the party. So well, she got all butt hurt. Judy was an alcoholic. I don't know what she talking about. Oh, yeah. Projecting. Uh-huh. Okay. You know what you can do with your slippers? Yeah. Um... But so anyway, the, then it also talked about how when uh, Wizard of Oz and Willy Wonka, who had the Oompa Loompas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there became all these people who pretended to have been in those movies. Oh, who were little people? Yeah, because they said, 
Oh, and like, nobody's really going to look into. Like, <laughs> we'll just take your word for Let's it. see your IMDb. Because <laughs> back then. Right. And just like, like oh, okay, oh, well, you fit a, the part. Yeah. And, Literally. Um, and so there were all these frauds and people would come out and be like, well, listen, like once I said that, then people didn't look at me as a freak anymore. They mm. loved me. And I thought that was compelling. Mm-hmm. And um, one problem, though, was that, and I never thought about it, there were not any black little people represented. And that mm-hmm. was intentional, mm-hmm. that they thought in mm-hmm. a magical world, <gasps> oh, there wouldn't be people gross. of color. Yeah. And, and also they didn't include do- people that had um, dwarfism that looked... yes odd yeah, in comparison different. to yeah. the ones that have the features that are similar yeah, to a just full smaller size. size yeah like versus the shorter limbs isn't that and... interesting it doesn't surprise me <laughs> no i'm just like she's like yes it's good no, story no i i find it super interesting and like i i can understand all of the act like i can't understand well i mean actually for the time the yeah. people who made the yeah the, it was but, a long time yeah ago. you know but still a really great article and I'm and at first I was going to say maybe it had something to do with black and white, it being a movie in black and white, but that part was in color. It sure was. So couldn't yeah. use that as the no, excuse. No, that was intentional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But also I wanted to talk about a really great story about my bra. Oh, tell me. Preach. Um, it's freaking great. It's adorable. <laughs> That's for one. And I bet it fits perfect. I love my third love bra. Have you guys tried it yet? They are the ones that have all the different sizes and the half sizes, cup sizes A through H, bands up to 48 for um, larger sizes. Um, A lot of women fall in those standard, uh, in between the standard sizes, so they have something for you. I've been so impressed too with the undies that I told you about. Oh, good. And the other stuff as well. I thought that they were strictly bras, so that was news to me. Um, and it is so comfortable. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. yeah. I wear that one. Oh, and I ordered two more. Yeah. I just Wait, was like. What colors did you get? Black and yeah. nude. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get a black I one. I got the black razor cut, razor back, razor back Okay. One. It's because what they do that I really love is they give you the specific bras that would be best for your build. So I have a, you know, not as big a boobs, but a wider chest. Like so I'm pretty smart. wide. Yeah. So there are a lot of cuts of bras that just cut into this, you know, little arm chub part and they know which ones yeah. fit well. And those racerback ones are really good for me. And then their, uh, classic t-shirt bra is That's the, best the best for me. Yeah. That th- really, I should have just gotten another one of those. Cause the one that I wear is, I mean, I'm wearing it all the time. <laughs> Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, as Sarah said. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash brain now to find your perfect fitting bra. You can take that quiz and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash brain for 15% off. Um, Speaking of brain. Yes. I read this article and at first I thought this was one of those, okay, this headline is just going to be to catch, you know, clickbait, Mm -hmm, whatevs. mm -hmm. It's probably loosey goosey research anyway. Yeah. So the article title was, is neckties cutting off blood circulation to the head? Something along those lines. Okay. And I was like, okay. I don't know about this one at all. So I went and I researched it and I looked at the original article of where it came from. Sue's 
You have got to be kidding me. It's, it's not, not only is it true, but it's more true than you, than the article even leads on. What? Okay. So here's what they did. So they researched, and the study has been repeated like three or four times because I even looked at the references, you know, that the uh, article cited and I clicked on those uh, articles and I looked at those articles that had the same findings. Oh my gosh, there's really something to this. So it's called the cerebral blood flow. And what a tide has the effect of doing is it cuts off the cerebral blood flow and so they, they had a group of men and they divided them up and, and had them wear ties in three different ways. They had one man or one group wear the tie, but with a button shirt and all the way tight, like almost uncomfortably tight. Mm-hmm. They had another person wear no tie. And then they had a third group wear um, ties with a button up collar, but the tie was loose. Okay. Okay. So they found that when they did this, and I thought, I was like, why would they have the loose one on there? Why wouldn't they just have a regular tie? Like, why wouldn't they have, because what about how somebody wears it regularly? But the results that were, that came out with the loose tie show, would show you that even regularly there's an effect too. So when they are wearing the tight tie, there's a reduction of 7.5% of blood flow to the brain. Oh and when my they, God. this is the crazy part, when they wear it loose, 5.7. When the tie is just around their neck, but not tight. So here's what I say that wasn't mentioned in the article at all, because these are only doctors who are studying the brain, fl- the flow of the blood, but not really asking why it affects them. Do you think there could be anything related to how we th- think about ties and the role that ties play? What? That, that if you went in there thinking that a person who wears a tie is a businessman and with a businessman's lifestyle comes a lot of stress and whatever it is. And you get into the mindset of somebody who wears a tie. I wonder if you'd get the same results from a culture that didn't have an association with ties and business. Really? Because what, explain to me the loose tie one. I guess I'd need to know how loose. Just, just open button shirt, all like undone, like how you'd loosen up a tie at the end of the day. So there's like a, almost a hand distance in between. Did it say that distance though? They said an button oh, you're tie. saying finger, yeah, like a finger, like, like no, like more, like it's loose, unbuttoned twice and then pulled down, hmm. almost like what a heavy necklace I would imagine would be. Right. So I feel like there's a, another part to this. Yeah. But doesn't that surprise you? And then this is the crazy part right. when you find out what the um, what the uh, the side effects of having this like cerebral blood flow limited is Mm -hmm. it's high blood pressure, increased likelihood of stroke, diabetes, all these things that we often associate with people like high stress business jobs. So I'm like, Oh my God, I wonder if there is this like correlation. Is this causation? What's going on here? That is really bizarre. But I never in a million years thought that this would be an article that would come up and I would be like, it says men's neckties may reduce blood flow to the brain and limit work performance study suggests. Wow. Yeah. And this was an article that was in the uh, Journal of Neuroradiology. I mean, come on. I know. Can you believe that? Well, do women... That um, they didn't... Te- what? Oh. Well, like in those high-powered positions, do they have those same health effects? Ooh. That's an interesting you know, thing to know. Like an increase of stroke yeah, and all that? I wonder. <clears throat> yeah. Because then you could measure somewhat of the difference a bit. 
Because oh women God. tend to not wear ties, although I did go through a tie phase. Really? You would look sexy in a tie. Um, I didn't. Oh, wow. I looked so stupid, and I'm embarrassed about Why? it. Why? Sarah, it was bad. Oh. What kind of ties were what you What was I doing? Was it, were they, like, thin, thick? What, button-down shirt or no button-down shirt? It was a collar shirt? Button-down. Okay. I, I'm into that, but then again, I would be. <laughs> that makes sense. Right, Sarah. Susie, this study even talked about how that this, what, like I said, it wasn't the first time that this was researched. There was another study that associated neckties with an increased risk of blindness because it oh created God. more fluid in the eyeballs. Stop. I swear. Well, then it's not just what you're saying where it's, it's like, oh, we think about it. No. A there 2003 is something going journal. on with these ties. It said by measuring eyeball fluid in men before and after wearing a tie, researchers noted increased in intra intraocular fluid pressure inside the eyes, which is associated with one of the top causes of inver- in- irreversible blindness, glaucoma. Jesus. And another study found that doctors' neckties in particular are a hotbed for disease-causing bacteria Ew. and other pathogens. We should definitely get rid of ties. I agree. I've always felt that way just because they're stupid. Except on you, <laughs> Yeah. You're allowed. Right. For 15-year-olds going through weird phases, <laughs> it's fine. You were 15 when you yeah. did it? Was this like an Alex P. Keaton thing? Kind of. Okay. It makes sense. (laughs) But I've always felt like it's a weird noose-like... It is. You know, symbol. Like you're you're like strangled by the man. Yeah. Yeah. And and what purpose does it serve? I mean, I couldn't believe it. And in the study, all but two men in the study experienced uh, that drop. Gross. That was like the average. Well, they certainly act like it. I mean... It's consistent with how I see their behavior. <laughs> but they We're can't like, oh, uh, I know what this is. This is reduced cerebral blood flow. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Take yeah. your damn tie off, yeah. you weirdos. And they'd also say it impacted creativity, this mm. reduced cerebral blood flow. I'd love to know who... <laughs> I'd love to have seen the pitch meeting where someone was like, in fashion, I've got an idea. Uh-huh. That makes no sense at all. You know that noose we use? <laughs> We're going to make one of those, but like tinier wear it every day. and cute. <laughs> right. It's bizarre. So weird. Good story, but though. But like sexy. I like a guy of in a tub. Of course. Of course. I like a guy with reduced cerebral blood flow. Yeah. Just keep him dumb. We'll take him. <laughs> right. It's better for our plan for oh matriarchy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. Let's take a break, though, and talk about a service that people need, which is care.com. Have I already mentioned that I used to work for them? Yes. Okay, good. I'm just making <laughs> yes. sure that people Former know this. Former employee. Former employee here. Yes. Um, if you need a nanny or a babysitter, a housekeeper, a senior care, dog walker, whatever you need, mm-hmm. they have people that are on the site that you can choose from, whatever meets your needs. And you can post a job, like if you're looking for somebody. Yeah. And then people can apply or whatever. Um, you can place for errands with family time. You can, you know, because like, let's say you hire a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Then that's what they say improves quality of life is if you spend <gasps> your money yes. on... The things that can help you with those kind yeah. of things. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. And families, you know, are unpredictable. You never know what's going on. So you never know when you might need something like this. It's just really good to have an extra set of hands on demand when you least expect it. Um, I have a friend with special need who has a son with special needs and she used care.com to find someone who can help with that. That's so great. Yeah. It's the largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. And you can find care for everyone in your family, including your pets. And, um, it's just sort of like a one-stop shop for all those little jobs that you need help with. Um, 
If you have a long day, the last thing you want to do when you're tired is clean. Quit mm-hmm. pushing off the cleaning chores and hire a housekeeper instead. Or, you know, you might, if your mom is older and they need help with the things around their house, um, or if you have a new baby. Or if oh your my dog God. is a troublemaker right. <laughs> and you need somebody to just come and train the dog. Yeah. That is also a thing they have on there. I just saying this story for a friend. If you need help cleaning before your guests arrive or before a holiday, it costs less than you think to hire a housekeeper um, with rates starting from $19 an hour. Um, but like I said, I've used it for child care and um, Sarah was child care. I was. I which was is a nanny cool. on care.com. To save 30% off a of care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash brain candy when you subscribe. That's 30% off a premium membership. Okay. Want to hear about um, some of the weird rules of the royal family? Oh, yes. We remember we were talking about this, but we didn't, like, I said a quick Google search, like, didn't give me the results I wanted or something. Yeah. It's like, I want to know what the other ones are. I heard something about Meghan Markle not being allowed to wear wedges. Yes, that's what I told you. Oh, you did tell me that. Yeah. You did. Because the, the queen heck? hates wedges. Why? I guess I'm wearing them today. She, they're so cute. They are so cute, but a lot of the things the queen hates, she associates with like lower class. What if she were like, I hear wedge shoes cause ganglion cysts, so they're out. <laughs> That's just good sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the rules are based on the queen's arbitrary preferences that have to do with like class and uh-huh. weirdness. Okay. So um, what else is that? Uh, what else are, are us peasants using that Megan is well, not allowed Megan's to? Megan's not allowed to have anything with garlic. What? I like how we're saying Megan, but I mean any, <laughs> of, them. any of them. They're not allowed to have garlic oh. at like official events. They're all vampires. <laughs> Clearly. They can eat it at home, but they cannot because garlic breath is offensive. Okay. That's the okay. reason. Okay. She's trying to avoid any public humiliation. Is that what this sounds like? Yeah. And the women have to wear pantyhose. Okay. I'm out. That's just asking for yeasties. Ew, is it? constricted area for all the time. No, I do not want to know what's going on in the queen's undercarriage. (laughs) Okay. um, They have to get blowouts, the women, three times a week. I really heard you say something else for a second there. (laughs) And I was like, good for them. Keeping it alive. Those lucky men. Blowouts. Got it. That doesn't sound like a rule as much as it is a luxury. Right. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, if you must. must. Although they were pointing out how um, because Megan has quote unquote ethnic hair, Uh um, she needs to, you know, maybe go under different. I don't know how it works. Like if that would hurt her hair to do too much or maybe different rules apply. Um, One weird rule is the game of Monopoly is forbidden. (sighs) There's a story behind that. Yes, there is. Okay. They played one one day, and you know the brother Andrew, Prince Andrew, who uh-huh. was married to Fergie. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was so competitive, and oh, or the family was so competitive that he then said, "No more Monopoly." Mm-hmm. And so that's it does, ironic. It does cause oh, given the family, the English tradition of colonialism, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, they're not. Allowed Maybe to play. it's like too close to home. They're like, oh, this reminds us of <laughs> our history. Oh yeah. Oh. You would think like they would be really bad at taboo. 
Although maybe they'd be really good because they have to be real careful about their words all the time. Oh, they would. Oh, so they wouldn't accidentally yeah. say the wrong word. But they would make no associations yeah, that were too, like that yeah. the other like Person. common folk would. They'd be like, oh, you know that thing that we when we were in the south of France. Yeah, blah, true. Blah, blah, blah. They'd have to only play with each other. Yeah, I'd be like, okay. Eh. They have to wear natural makeup, and they are not allowed to wear false eyelashes. Good. A lot of people were surprised that Meghan Markle looked very natural at her wedding, but mm-hmm. that's probably why. She had to. Yeah, rules are rules. They are always required to travel with a black outfit in case somebody dies <gasps> while they're away and they have to go to a funeral oh, last minute. That is the most depressing rule. You're basically always ready to mourn. Yeah. That's sad. And then when they're away, also like... um traveling to other places they're not allowed to eat shellfish because there's a higher risk of being poisoned oh i think they mean food poisoning but i think saying poison is way more fun (laughs) what do you think about those you know some of them i can get behind i don't like anybody telling me what to do i definitely don't like that but i mean no garlic at a a party is just not the worst thing i i disagree oh of course i do like a good twisty garlic bread yeah, and like if everyone's eating garlic, I mean, then if it's they're fine. at the Olive Garden, they are fucked. That's why. <laughs> can you picture them at the Olive Garden? <laughs> have you seen the video of where fucked at a Red Lobster too? Since they can't have the mercury, <laughs> yeah, and or whatever they're eating, just mollusks. diving into those Cheddar Bay biscuits only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you see the video where people say that Meghan Markle has developed an English accent? Oh, that happens, and I, I believe that they do, and there's a name for it. It's what happens when you're a person who's empathetic and you're around people. I hang out with Kenny Santucci too much, and all of a sudden I'm born and raised in Jersey. <laughs> right. I'm like a missing member of The Sopranos. The article that I read was talking about what you're saying. They call it accommodation and convergence. Okay. Yep, there you go. And that it's usually unconscious. Mm-hmm. They said that you know it's basically called the semester abroad accent. I got one when I went did a semester abroad, like not, a, but certain things. Well, yeah, and something in the article you claim happened to me. Yes, you do. Which is that you you may not pick up the pronunciation of the word, but you pick up the melody of their speech. You answer. You go up at the end like a question almost. Yeah, like when we, we going to do talk this? to Lincoln. Yeah, mostly it'll be like. Do you want some water? Yeah, are we going instead out of, tonight? Yeah, are we going out tonight instead of are we going out tonight? <laughs> See how it's different. It's just a different melody. Yeah, and it is contagious. Yeah, and it's definitely not on purpose. I'm yeah. not trying to sound like Adam. No, for sure. It's just like what you do when you're around somebody. And it- yeah, and it makes sense that if you did have greater empathy, that it would be something that was mm-hmm. more likely to happen. Although mm-hmm. one of the most famous examples is Madonna, and I don't think of her as oh. someone who has empathy. I think of You're her right. as pretentious. I am kind of narcissistic. So maybe hers was intentional. Yeah. Yeah, because hers was a... It, it's a different... Hers really sounded like a British accent on every word. Yeah. It didn't sound like somebody who just... You're like, hey... You picked did, up the cadence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, did you see the video a while ago, maybe over a year ago, of when Lindsay Lohan developed that weird... I don't know what it was accent. No. What is she up to? She lives in like Cutter or something. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I heard that she was like there's a lot kind of, of almost like a wife slave to some big like Saudi Arabian prince guy. Am I even close <laughs> yes. with any of this? Yes. Okay. Have you seen him? No. Is he gross? Do we, we have a harem situation on our hands? I don't only know of her. Look him up because okay. 
when I you look at a picture of him, you think this can't be, this had to have been Photoshopped, oh my God. but it's his actual body. Oh no. Yeah. It's like, he's as tall as he is wide, <gasps> but not fat. He's not fat. Wait till you see. They're, I don't think it's, they're not married. Okay, boyfriend. <clears throat> but I don't know if they're still together because I think there was a domestic violence issue. And he is enormous. And she developed this accent where it was so weird. Not I have, Igor. Not, it might be. He's not too... There's somebody else. Igor. Maybe no. it's somebody else. You when you see him, you'll be like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Saudi Arabia. Anyway, she's a weird bird. Do you think she suffers from the Amanda Bynes problem? No. What? What's your I theory? Think, I think it's Amanda Bynes is definitely schizophrenic. Okay. Like she, I okay. It's maybe not. I think she was diagnosed paranoid with something. schizophrenia, but it may be like schizotypoid personality disorder or something like that. It's like, like in that, you know. We're practically at the level of diagnostic uh, proficiency that we could work at urgent care at this point. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> nope, that's not a spider bite. <laughs> right. Your mom should yeah. open up an urgent care and we'll diagnose people for free. Oh my God, that's Just so for funny. Fun. Oh, I saw the picture of him. He's gross. It's more than just gross. He's like, there's something weird going on. That's not a human. Mm. Oh, you sad about it? No, I'm grossed out. But I'm trying to also think of what I say, Lindsay Lohan. I think it has more to do with with a like hers. I would call maybe kind of histrionic or just trauma PTSD. Yeah, like yeah. it's just a result of having an upbringing that was kind of isolated and and having to be too adult too fast. Yeah, her parents are bonky. And then I think it comes out in weird ways where you're kind of reenacting the childhood that you didn't have as an adult, but it comes out as as weird, you know, behaviors like, you know, developing name it. fake accents. Yeah. Another so those thing are things that are, kind of, that are kind of childish. Yeah. Because that is a kid thing that kids do. I mean, also a thing that, like, I've, I've seen, you know, videos of kids doing those things when they feel, uh, like, anxiety in therapy sessions or, like, weird voices will come out of them. They'll just change their voice a bit because they, they're, it's almost a way to... Disassociate. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Disassociate. Yeah. And it's like safer. If I'm not me, I'm this person talking about this or whatever it is. Um, Another thing, by the way, that they talked about with the queen that I thought was interesting was how I, and I think we should all embrace this and do our own version. When the queen's talking to someone that she doesn't want to talk to anymore, Uh she does a signal with her purse that her bodyguards are like, oh, let's go over. And we they are like, sorry, the queen has to leave now. It's like the wingman yes. thing. We need a signal. Yeah, we do. We yeah, can't we tell right now. We <laughs> should keep it to ourselves. But like, wouldn't that be awesome yes. if anytime you were talking to someone that you did... Remember when I was at your house and I thought you had been cornered? Yes, but really I... it was one of my besties from forever yeah. ago. I always think if she's talking to anyone but me, she's like miserable. <laughs> so I thought, should I go over and save her or is she okay? And I thought, she's okay. She can handle it. Yeah. Because you could get out of it, right? Mm, 
certain That's people what I debated. certain people I don't think I would be able to because yeah. I'm like I want to and it would have to I would have to know I don't know I think I, a lot of couples do have signals though that like when they're going to a cocktail party the guys like, the when you want to leave the yeah. party you have like a mutual like yeah. my signal is yo I'm leaving <laughs> I'm I always say I gotta hit the sheets yeah you know because I do that's just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why when we were at your house for that party and it was like kind of wrapping up and you I was like, wait, do you forever. want me to leave? I did not. I know. <laughs> but but maybe you did. Really. No, I didn't. I was so sad when you left. I was like, this was like the best because <laughs> I, was... I felt like I got to like really hang out with Susie and chat. Really? And we you were said like that? cracking up like to myself. <laughs> I'm not sitting there. I'm talking to Milton about this. Melissa <laughs> Milton. Susie and I have great time. Was Milton at the party? Oh, he may have we been. We should check footage. <gasps> footage! Oh! <laughs> so funny. Footage. We really should, though. We should look through. I mean, there's got to be a picture with me with my legs crossed somewhere where mm-hmm. you can, like, see. I feel like I would have noticed that. I mean, I'm it's... not convinced that it is a gangly insist. Why? It's come, it definitely is. What did you say was the reason they developed? No one knows. Nobody knows. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, yeah. And there's a 13 to 20% chance that if you get it drained, it's going to fill back up. So really, it's... That's lower than I thought. Right. And that's why I'm like, why don't we just go straight surgery? And then she was like, well, I'm also going to inject it with a steroid. And this increases the likelihood of it not filling or decreases the likelihood of it filling right, up. Right, right. Then I read an article Uh-oh. that said... Doctors often inject it with a corticosteroid, but there's no known evidence that this is a evidence-based <gasps> they treatment. They just want to charge for and it. And I was like, you just gave me a non-evidence-based treatment? They want to charge the insurance for it. That's what why, Sarah. Well, they charged me $0, so what? Yeah, but I know. <laughs> I know, the, I know. It's not, that's not good. Pre- that's not. And who wants extra in, what do you call them, injections? Nobody. I didn't. No, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. thank you. Mm-mm. So that was like, after I looked that up, I was like, oh. <gasps> Not evidence-based treatment? Yeah. Pasha. Yeah. But what is that thing you love that's like, is it horoscope? No. Is it tarot? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You, there's like ghosts or psychics or something Probably. that you're like super into that I'm like, wait a minute. But she doesn't yeah. want that extra shot just yeah. in case. Yeah, right? And you know what else I'm like, this is like so embarrassing to admit. What? But like, I like stones like those like oh yeah like I, i'm like into it and there's something about like coming stuff. home from being at a day at the clinic where i'm just deep in emotions with people and in their stories and i've almost had to create okay so i was like feeling like oh my god i just have all these feelings and i can't get to bed at night and it's so like heavy and i need to like you know do something to center myself and i got the suggestion from another therapist who's like you know, an actual therapist, not like a student like me, who's like, yeah, you, you need to make a ritual. And even if it needs to involve like, you know, some rose quartz or some crystals or stones or whatever, or you can do like sage yourself. And I was like, oh my God, like hippie, yeah, hippie I mean, stuff, I feel I'm like into it. A lot of people do that with candles. So I got to like do that. I do that with like pick my stones and like put them by my bed and I like feel more centered and shit. Yeah. Whatever works for yeah. you. And it has helped. And even if it just works in my mind. You know, of course. It works in real life. I'm all for placebos. Yeah. Oh, that's totally. Yeah. Yep. 50% of the time. So 
It's working. <laughs> I'm the 50%. Okay, so I have two more things. First of all, we have an amazing interview coming up with Alice Bolin, who wrote our July book club pick called Dead Girls, Essays on Surviving an American Obsession. And it was such a great book. I loved it because she's an incredible writer, but she also um, unpacks this weird cultural obsession that we have with dead girls, particularly dead white girls, and the true crime stuff. And she talks about Twin Peaks, and she even talks about things like Britney Spears and um, Serial and reality TV and writes all this stuff that's engaging but really makes you think about some of the cultural stuff that you consume. So that's coming up. I also wanted to remind you that you, if you're getting married, you need to make a free registry on Zola. They have, um, it's a, it's a wedding website that you can create a profile in minutes and you can register for hundreds of different brands and products that makes it super easy for your guests. Um, But it's also really cool because they have these cute um, templates that you can use to tell your story of how you fell in love and your guests have like a one-stop shop of like all the information about your big day, but they can also find group gifts and uh, honeymoon packages and stuff that they can donate to instead of buying you a traditional gift. So it's really cool. And you guys need to try it because it's easy for you as the bride or groom and it's easy for your guests who are couldn't be bothered with having to deal with all the nonsense that is your wedding, even though it's the best day of your life. Okay, but to create your free wedding website on Zola, and it's free no matter which template you choose, it's not like the fancy ones are more expensive or whatever, you go to Zola, go to Z-O-L-A dot com slash brain candy and you can set that up it's a free wedding one-stop shop zola z-o-l-a dot com slash brain candy okay let's welcome to the show a wonderful author you need to read her book dead girls welcome alice bolin thank you so much thank you for having me what's been the reaction so far what are people talking about I mean, I think it's been a really great reaction and it's been really interesting because I feel like, I mean, I feel like it's the way with any essay collection, it's kind of a cipher, you know, like people sort of get out of it what they want to get out of it, kind of, or they see in it what they're interested in, which I think is a good thing. So, um, yeah, people are asking me, some people really like the stuff in it about witches and some people want to ask about Los Angeles and some people want to ask about reality TV and then other people, a lot of people want to ask about this stuff about crime and true crime in the book. Um, which I think has been cool. It's been interesting to see all of the different kinds of stuff people get out of it. Yeah. I was shocked at how all of those components work together. I did not see that coming. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's something I think as a writer, I feel I love to to sort of try to put as much stuff as possible into an essay or, you know, a collection or whatever to try to see how much I can get away with. Um, <laughs> like, that's kind of what I find interesting. I, I almost find it not to be enough of a challenge to sort of write about only one thing. I like to try to weave in different connections and threads um, and see how all of it can work together. Well, you did a great job. I was so impressed and I'm really excited because our podcast book club is tonight and this is going to be our July book club pick. 
Yay. Yay. We're so, so <laughs> I, I posted something on Instagram and people kept messaging me like, that looks so good. What is that? So I know they're <laughs> going to be into it. Awesome. Can you tell us what the dead girl show is? Sure. So, um, I think of a dead girl show in a pretty specific way, even though there are kind of a lot of them as sort of a show that, uh, begins with finding the murdered body of a dead, of a girl. And usually it's a young white girl. Um, and then, you know, maybe the first season or that initial arc is about trying to solve her murder. And there have been a lot of different permutations of that. I mean, Twin Peaks is the most famous one, but then after that, and even especially in the past couple of years, there've been so many more like the killing or Veronica Mars or the night of how to get away with murder, true detective, pretty little liars. Um, and even ones like Riverdale that kind of flipped the script. Um, I think Twin Peaks has just been such an insanely influential show in terms of dictating like the structure of an arc of, of a season of TV. And whenever you, you were someone who would watch these and had interest in them. And then at what point were you like, did it occur to you that there was more to it than just sort of, this is a great show or whatever? Yeah. It's weird because I, I think Veronica Mars was the first one that I watched, probably, um, which is like, you know, this cult show. I mean, I think it has such a huge following even still. But at the time, it felt like, oh, is it even going to get a second season? It kind of was such like, I don't know, like it had such a fervent but very small audience. But I didn't really realize that it was in any other kind of tradition. You know, I was just like, this show is fun to watch. And... It wasn't, I think it wasn't until I was much older when I watched Twin Peaks and I watched Pretty Little Liars and I watched True Detective. I watched all of those shows kind of all in a row and they're so different and they're for different audiences. But I realized, oh my God, these are all playing with the exact same symbols and tropes and kind of narratives. Um, and I was like, make, I would like make jokes about it on Twitter about dead girl shows. Um, <laughs> and then eventually, you know, it all, I wrote, you know, I wrote it like not a joke. <laughs> well, I you, actually was like, Oh, this isn't a joke. At the beginning, you talk about how you knew you wanted to call the book dead girls, but then you kind of unpack the decision to use the word girls. Why? Right. I know. Well, I, the, I knew from the beginning that dead girls would be a good title. I was like, that's a great title. It's got a great hook. People will buy that book. Yeah. But it wasn't until like later on in the process that I realized like, well, are people just going to buy the book for the same reason that, you know, they're drawn to this kind of misogynist violence? You know, am I playing on these same uh, impulses that I'm criticizing? Um, and even sort of it all is goes to what, who gets to be a girl, you know? I mean, a lot of the time we see, you know, women who are in like their late thirties, if they're white and privileged, then it's like, oh, she's, what a beautiful girl, you know? <laughs> Where even, you know, say like a um, poor black teenager is not a girl, you know, that's a woman um, in terms of the ways that society sees and treats those people. So I think I was trying to think about sort of the privileged that privileged position of a white girl, even if the white girl is still kind of the, the target of violence and misogyny. And why do you think it is the case? And obviously you explore this 
throughout the whole book that um, a dead woman or dead girl is more valuable than a girl, a living girl. Right. A living girl. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's like you you speak in generalizations, but, or I have to, but where I feel like there's a level where a dead girl is not complicated. Um, Maybe her story is complicated or her history is complicated or, you know, what happened to her is complicated, but that is just a body. That is just a problem to be solved. Um, And a dead girl doesn't want anything. She doesn't, you know, do anything. And I think that there are lots of ways where that's how our culture prefers women to be, even in a, maybe in a metaphorical way, you know, someone who's silent, who's beautiful, um, and who kind of, uh, is alluring, um, and mysterious. So I think there are some, there are some ways where living women are taught to act like, like, like dead girls, you know, we are, we are silenced in a lot of ways. I felt like that, uh, a lot this week in particular. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've worked up about <laughs> politics and stuff. Sure. And um, it felt like the right time to read your book because of that. And I'm sure that will continue. So I'm sure our readers, our book club readers will have that same feeling where it feels more pressing than ever. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Cause like when I sold the book, people said, Oh, this it's so timely. <laughs> and that was two years ago. Timely. You know, and- and it's like, well, this is just going to keep being timely. It seems like, you know, until our society is less violent and less misogynist. But yeah, I mean, it feels like these kinds of acts of everyday violence and oppression and terror, they, that all speaks to the kind of narratives that, that we kind of seek comfort in. Well, and you say in the book that our interest collectively in the idea of these dead girls maybe is a distraction from the pain of being a living girl. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like, I'm interested in the ways that we use these crime narratives, which are so popular and only becoming more popular, either true crime or fictional in order to sort of distract us from the bigger, you know, crimes or more, depressing crimes that we see every day, whether it's sort of like government corruption or, you know, mass shootings or mass violence, things that we feel like, well, we feel more complicit in and we feel more powerless against. Where if we're more interested in, you know, these more romanticized crimes like serial killers or, um, you know, a dead girl who washes up on the beach and, and then we have to solve her her murder, that feels more like um, something, you know, out of our... Well, that it feels like, yeah, it's a distraction and also it's an odd comfort because it's something that we can kind of solve. We can resolve in the end. We figure it out Um, where corruption or, you know, mass violence, those things have a solution, but we aren't willing to put them into place. Right. Um, What I was surprised to see in the book was uh, the real world was discussed, which follows me everywhere. And uh-huh. <laughs> I was um, interested to know why you decided to talk about reality TV in terms of like, what, how did it fit into the broader picture? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, reality TV and MTV especially is a funny theme in the book. And it wasn't something I always knew that I was going to write about. But I think that going along with the stuff about Los Angeles in the book, it made a lot of sense because it had this sort of relationship to different kinds of narratives and different kinds of sort of artificiality uh, that, you know, we relate to real life or we lay over real life, but that are not, you know, the real world is not the real world. Um, (laughs) So kind of going along with different kinds of narratives that I'm interested in, but also as a kid, I mean, I grew up in Idaho and I was obsessed, you know, I watched MTV from morning till night um, and I absolutely watched the challenge. um, But the like, so for me, that was like the first reality TV was the first way that I knew about, LA or about Hollywood. And then when I moved there, it was like, well, this is not what I learned about. This is not the same thing. Um, So it's kind of a way of interrogating, you know, those myths that I had grown up, you know, consuming. And then as I was actually experiencing them, how they influenced my, my, my real life. It's funny because when you moved to LA and discovered that it wasn't exactly how you imagined. I felt in the book like you pushed back against it. Whereas I was like, I'm fine with this. This is great. Yeah. I embraced the phoniness and the idea that I was a character. That was all fine with me. But you were like, "Uh, I don't know about this. Right. Well, yeah, it's so funny. I mean, like, because I think that I have romanticized my life in so many ways. And when I moved to L.A., the only way for me to for it to be even doable was for me to think of myself as this like dark, you know, sad heroine, you know, in some book or something, because my life was so depressing and so boring. Um But yeah, I mean, that is kind of what I'm thinking about when I think about reality TV is the ways that characters are constructed in these sort of narratives that are not quite real, but aren't quite fake either. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I don't know, thinking about the ways that, yeah, the ways that reality TV shaped my my upbringing is very odd to think about. No, you and me both, sister. Um, (laughs) So do you feel like now, because you don't live in LA any longer, do you feel like a different girl or woman? Yeah. Is that woman dead, the LA woman? Uh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that I was such an idiot when I moved to LA and I write about that a lot in the book to the extent of like, I didn't know how my car worked. I didn't know what way the streets were. Like, I didn't know, like, Olympic. I was like, is is that north-south or east-west? Like, I I really could not figure anything out (laughs) about the world, you know, and even about relationships and about um, my career or how to dress myself or anything. And I think that it really was sort of a trial by fire where I did learn so much um, being there and being there by myself. Um, and I miss it a lot, but I think, yeah, it, it is a different, a different person. Yeah. I feel like I am a different person now and I'm a different, different writer, but I wanted a lot of, a lot of the essays that are in the book I wrote at the, at the time that kind of those experiences were occurring 
You know, I, I started writing about LA the second that I got there. Um, so, and I allowed some of those misconceptions to just exist in the book and some of those early thoughts that I had about LA to just be there because then I kind of correct them later. Um, I want it to be a little bit of a chronicle of my life in LA as well as being this critical stuff about crime fiction and reality TV and all that other stuff. I really like that you did it that way though, because you are kind of all of us, right? And <laughs> so we, I, I mean, at least I saw myself through you and I think most readers will. And yeah, you're, you're talking about these things that we all consume, whether it's Britney Spears or serial podcast or whatever, but then you're flipping it all around in ways. I never even thought of that lyric. My loneliness is killing me myself. Right. <laughs> With Brittany. Well, well, I think also like that is part of my mission was kind of to show, to write sort of a memoir in criticism where I, you know, the stuff that I consume and read and listen to is a big part of my experience. My like IRL experience has a lot to do with the media that I surround myself with. So I think that's just as valid of, you know, a part of my story as, you know, the relationships I've had or the places I've gone or whatever. But do you feel like this is something I want to ask you, Susie, because I was just thinking about that. Okay, so like I as kind of my own persona or the way I think about myself has so much to do with TV and with books and, you know, the characters that I'm drawn to or whatever. So do you feel like you're like, it feels like even more for you because you were actually on TV or you were a part of this whole machine. Like, do you feel like that, I don't know, the ways that you created your persona or that you think about yourself are, are influenced by your time on reality TV. Yeah. And whenever you wrote in the book about how you, you watched it all the time, which I did too. And then you would like plot ways that you would go on there. Right. I did the same thing, except you were smart enough to not <laughs> actually do it. Whereas I was determined. And then when I was cast, I was so relieved when I was assigned a character. I was like, Oh, Okay, now I know who I'm supposed to be. Right. And it felt like a relief. Even wow. if I didn't wow. really connect with that identity, it was like, oh, okay, now I know what everyone wants me to be. That's, well, and that's, don't you think, like, I actually think about this a lot, especially kind of thinking about the 90s and the early 2000s when I was kind of growing up, the ways that we were really taught to sort of be like, I'm this one, even like, oh, the Spice Girls, you have like, which Spice Girl are you? Yeah, right. Um, you know, like that even as I was coming up, I knew if I wanted to get on MTV or, you know, I wanted to get on the real world, I would have to have sort of a way to sell myself or I would be like, I'm the nerdy one or, you know, or whatever. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you'd have I to would, be a character. I would even strategize, like, what character would I sell myself as being? What Who would do you? I? Oh God, I feel like, well, if I'm being realistic, I feel like it would have been like, she's the like loud, like smart one or, yeah. you know, like kind of, yeah, like I don't even know who on the real world who would be, well, cause you would want to be one who's like funny and oh, crazy. You know who I feel was like good like that was, there was a girl on real world New Orleans named Melissa. Melissa is exactly who I was about to say, but like, I wouldn't have been Melissa. I, but that's who you kind of want to be though. <laughs> 
We all want to be Melissa. Because she's, you know, she's hilarious and so cute. And she always had, like, great... She was, like, doing stand-up comedy yeah. 24-7. <laughs> That's who you but, could be. But I would have just that? been crying. I would have been, like, Amaya on The Real World Hawaii. I would have been crying... All day, every day. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you would have been like, because you're too smart to go on the show. So you would have been, felt like you were in hell. So you dodged a bullet. There are always four characters who kind of ha- ended up hating, like who you could even tell really hated it and kind of di- didn't end up being having very much airtime because like they hated Irene, it so much. even. Irene, yeah, or um, there was Justin. Is that his oh, name? Yeah. Why yeah. do I remember <laughs> these things? Why, Susie? <laughs> On the real world, Hawaii, who yeah. like would just like, or there were always the ones who were like, oh, he's at his boyfriend's house, or he like who just wouldn't even be at the house. I always find found that so hilarious and interesting. Um, <laughs> people who like got on on the show and then sort of decided to not really be on the show. Right, they were in too deep. Yeah, it's like, oh god, <laughs> oh god, that's funny. And like I said, I did not expect to be reading about that, but your perspective on it was so helpful to me, and I think a lot of people will know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) And then in terms of like the dead girl narrative, I was like, oh man, this is deep. I've never read a book twice, but I'm going to read your book again. Wow. Really? I read like every, I, I read books once so that I can read it twice. No, (laughs) I, I prefer that. I don't like to, I like would prefer to always just be rereading, but that's impossible. So really? I love to reread books. Yeah, that's part of why I kind of became a nonfiction writer because it sort of gives me an excuse to reread my favorite <laughs> books because I can write about them, you know? Um, I, yeah, it's like I like, I like always as a kid, I loved sequels. Mm. I like, I was like, I know these characters. I'm comforted by this. I don't need to have a new story. Um, yeah, I love to, to reread and rewatch. I guess lot. it makes sense. The familiar is comforting. Yeah. If but I don't know. Good. I always feel like I don't have time for that. But yours is will be my first reread. Susie, that's so that's <laughs> really means a lot to me. It really does. Um, here's what I want to know. We ask everybody the same thing at the end, which is, uh, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Do you have a car? Oh, I do have a car. Yes, uh, my car it used to belong to my parents, and it still has like lefty librarian bumper stickers all over it. <laughs> And it says, like, I love Obamacare and stuff like that. Um, Actually, in my, so it used to be because I was so itinerant, I used to just keep like a bunch of like boxes of like books and clothes and stuff, like as if I was going to like move at any time. (laughs) But now I'm really pretty settled in Memphis, Tennessee. But what is in my car, my trunk, is actually really embarrassing in a way because. (laughs) At one point when my boyfriend and I were long distance, I became very lonely and signed up for all of these magazine subscriptions. Like I got like Vogue and Vanity Fair and GQ, like, um, and I never looked at any of them. I get them in the mail and I don't read them and I throw them in the trunk of my car, um, because I keep thinking I'll take them into work and give them to my students or whatever. So my car is just like riddled with like weird reading material that I haven't. Why don't you read at. them? I don't know. It's kind of like what you were saying where it's like, I don't have time, but it's like, of course I have time. Like I look at Twitter, like 
20, all day. Like I could have just been reading a magazine, but um, I don't know. It's some like, that's kind of why I feel ashamed of it. I'm like, maybe I'll look at that someday, that Meghan Markle Vanity Fair. <laughs> By the way, since you brought up your folks, do they enjoy, or you know, the... Yes. <laughs> been I will covered. say, I know. Well, yeah, my dad, The there's a long ass in the book about my dad that was very personal and I was I was a bit worried about whether he would take it well um and I let him read it at, I let him read it early and I let him give me you know notes about it and he still is giving me notes about it but <laughs> <laughs> where he's like actually you um you did not get the name of that one book correct and I emailed you about it months ago um but he loves it and he's totally like I mean that's part of who he is he's not embarrassed or ashamed of himself or who he is and so he just thinks it's like fun and he feels like he's my muse and <laughs> he was at the book launch and everybody wanted to say hi to him yeah uh, I'm very drawn to him he's an interesting yeah, he's, character I mean he's he's a wonderful dad and I think the essay People are very charmed by him. So um, he, yeah, he loves it. He was wearing his Veronica Mars t-shirt to the book launch. So everyone would know who he was. Um, yeah. Adorable. I love it. So, okay. Last thing for real. Um, do you feel like there's anything that you thought people would ask more about, but then they aren't? Maybe um, Joan. Do you wish they were asking more about people Joan? People aren't asking me as much about Joan Didion. I mean, and also just sort of like, I feel like the book, a lot of it is about, it sort of is sort of meta about writing and about um, the ethics of writing nonfiction. And I feel like most people, but but I also feel like if people aren't asking about it, then it's probably not very interesting to them. So I'm like, well, fair enough, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask been... about Joan, but it feels like too fancy. And so I feel yeah. intimidated. Well, people haven't been asking me that much about reality TV, actually. Well, people talk about, some people have been asked about the bling ring, but, um, yeah. And I could talk about reality TV all day. So this is really, this is a good fit. <laughs> good fit. Well, yeah. When my publicist asked, like, do you want to do this? I was like a hundred percent. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I wish my co-host was here, Sarah. She's coming later today, but she's going to love this book and you guys are kindred spirits. So you should meet someday. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I'm interested. Anyway, you're off the hook. I really appreciate you talking to us, and I can't wait to hear what our listeners think of your book. Yeah, thank you so much. It really means a lot. So, um, Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> have, <laughs> thank have you. Have a good day, Susie. You too. Bye. Okay, bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.